Today's podcast is brought to you by McAllister's Deli in Carbondale, featuring some of the best sweet tea in the Midwest, soups, salads, spuds, and much more. That's McAllister's Deli in Carbondale. We're racking up a ton of points the past two weeks on the Saluki Standards podcast. Cartesia Macklin last week, and Mr. 2000 himself, Kent Williams, this week, formerly of Saluki Men's Basketball. Hey, thanks for being back with us. I'm your host, Connor Runyon. Now, Kent is from Mount Vernon, which is just an hour up the road from SIU's campus. A Southern Illinois native turned Southern Illinois Hall of Famer. So the geographic ties and staying at home and having great success obviously has gone a long way to endear Kent to Saluki fans for a long time. And 2,000 points sure helped. 2,012 points in his career. That's second all-time in Saluki history. And you, you try to trim down some of the other accomplishments in Kent's career, and the list is very long, but we'll consolidate it to this. He was part of two NCAA tournament teams when he was at Southern. 2002, they went to the Sweet 16, and the reason that year was obviously significant was it was the start of the program going to six NCAA tournaments in a row. Kent kick-started his coaching career after that. He was an assistant at Purdue. Missouri State in Tennessee, and he's worked or played for big-time college basketball coaching names such as Conzo Martin, who's now the head coach at Missouri, Matt Painter, the former Saluki head coach, and now Purdue's head coach, and Bruce Weber, the former Saluki head coach, turned Illinois and now Kansas State head coach. Kent now has his own head coaching job. He's in his third year at the Smet Jesuit, coaching at the high school level in St. Louis, and he's done a, a fantastic job there. He, he built the program from his first year, having just seven wins, to the biggest turnaround in program history, their second year. And now he's coming off back-to-back 21 years. So we'll dive into a whole lot of that and much more in this conversation. Hope you enjoy it with Kent Williams. Uh, I'm sure somebody along the line has brought this up to you, what Marcus Damask did at SIU this year. He was the, the freshman of the year in the conference, and you know that's... Uh, that's drawn some comparisons to what you did early on in your career. Have you had a chance to check out his game at all? I have. I, I've seen a few games. Uh, obviously, he had a great freshman year. Um, you know, I didn't get to watch as much as I would like. Um, really kind of honed in as it got late in the season. Um, and he was kind of making a big run late there as well. And uh, one thing, you know, with, with freshmen, you can hit that wall. I know he hit the wall in a couple of games and been there. We've, we've all been there. And, uh, uh, the scouting report starts to lock in on you a little bit more and they find out what you can or can't do. And uh, the minutes of the season start to build up. So uh, I'm sure he's excited to improve on that and, and develop his game in other ways so he can be just as dominant as a sophomore. Do you see some similarities to your game when you watch him? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I feel like uh, when I played, I – I tried to use my smarts as much as possible. You know, being smart and being tough are the main two things I tried to take in every game, and I definitely see that in his game. Um, You know, he's got a high IQ, knows how to get a shot off. Um, And when you watch some guys play and they they learn how to move without the basketball, I think he does a pretty good job of that. He's kind of a different player than I am in a little slightly different position on all that, but, but knowing how to move without the basketball allows you to get opportunities to score and it's kind of become a lost art. Hopefully it can kind of work its way back in a little bit here. And uh, that's what I really tried to do was 
you know, I, I would score a lot of points sometimes without having the ball in my hands a whole lot of minutes or a lot, a lot of seconds. Um, you got to move and chase guys around, have the guys chase you around, uh, read screens and find ways to get open. And, uh, but also that, that in, you need a lot of good teammates to help you with that too, good screens and good passers. Yeah, one, of the, one of the great coincidences, I thought, was uh, the, the game winner you had your senior year at Missouri State um, it was 17 years to the date of the buzzer beater against Missouri State at Banterra Center that, that Damask hit this year. Uh, okay. did, did, do you remember that play pretty vividly when you had oh, yeah. on the road? Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, you know, at that time, we had never won at Missouri State. That was the only – school that I've never had a win that was my senior year and it's like man we got to get out of here with a win because I'm not going to go four years without getting a chance to win at every single place in the league um, and we had chances and we started to let it slip on us but yeah I remember I, I actually before that play I could have tied it up I got fouled on a three and I had three free throws and I made the first two and I missed the third one to tie it so uh, you kind of go from are you the choke guy or are you the hero? So it went, luckily I got the ball back and was able to go make a play. So those are the hard ones, right? It's, it's a little bit easier when the game's tied, but when you're, when you're down one. Yeah. Those are the hard yeah, ones. Down, uh, down one. Yeah. There's pressure on you to try to make a play. Obviously there was pressure on the free throw as well. Um, you know, you're down three and you're shooting three of them. Um, got the first two. Usually when you make the first two, you feel good about the, you know, you're in kind of a rhythm. You're going to make the next one. Unfortunately, I missed it, but then we got the ball back, and um, uh, we, we designed up a play. I got the ball, and I drove it and kind of saw the back of everybody's heads, and I just kept going. I figured I was going to have to stop and shoot a pull-up at some point, but it just kept opening it up, kept opening it up, and just take it to the basket. Sure. Um, you, you obviously grew up in Saluki country and, and being pretty familiar with the conference, and um, I, I remember hearing an interview that you admired guys like you know, Ashraf Amaya and, and Chris Carr, who, who played for the Salukis in the 90s. Uh, did you ever get a chance to, to meet those guys when you were growing up and, and going to games? Yeah, um, not so much growing up. I do remember going to a camp down at SIU, and uh, I think Chris Carr had just put his name into the draft and was in a dunk contest, and he was, you know, putting on all kinds of dunks for everybody down there. Uh, but as I got older and obviously came to SIU, uh, those guys came back and scrimmaged with us a lot, which was great. Um, it's always great to have the, uh, the veteran players, the, the alums come back. So I remember the first time playing against Amaya, uh, he dropped step to go in for a layup and I reached in to knock it out of his hands. I think I was a freshman, so I was pretty young and I went to hit it and his ball, it just kept going right through my hands like my hand didn't even exist. And realized how strong and tough he was on that play right there. And uh, I remember Chris Carr coming back. Um, it was the first day that we had to run the mile. And I had never ran a mile in my life for a time. And uh, so we ran a mile. We had to get our 530 time. I knocked it out, but I could barely walk after it. And they're like, hey, we're going to go over and scrimmage. Chris Carr is here. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. Can't even hardly walk. So then we go over there, and sure enough, I got to guard him. So now I'm guarding a guy that's an NBA and just ran a mile. Uh, I could barely even walk back from the, the track to the arena. Uh, but it was great playing against him. And actually, he gave me some good advice at the end of the, the scrimmage. And then later on, when I graduated, um, my, my agent was in Minneapolis. So I went and worked out with Chris because he was in – I think he still is in Minneapolis now. 
Uh, but I went and worked out with him up there quite a bit during that time. So it was great to get together with him. What was the advice that he gave you? Uh, he talked about getting my shot off, uh, just, you know, footwork into it and just being quicker and more efficient because I shot fake a lot and I shot a lot of pull-ups. And, um, you know, again, I just got done running a mile. So <laughs> my feet, my footwork probably wasn't great. But I do remember shot faking and going by and, and trying to shoot a pull-up. And he just talked about being efficient with your feet. Um, sometimes it's important to go really far away to get separation. And sometimes if the guy flies by you, it's just a quick pull up. So you don't give time for the defense, you know, the help defense to come into the play and contest your shot. So something small, but you know, little things like that stick with you. And, uh, just, just a little bit of that to get your shot off. Sure. When did it kind of become clear to you that basketball was going to be your ticket to, to going to college? Uh, well, I was always in love with basketball, uh, played it my whole life. Uh, growing up in Southern Illinois, you don't really know what your opportunity is going to be. You don't know if you're playing against the best guys or not. You don't, and this is, of course, before the internet was a big thing. So you can't look up and see what all is out there. You know, you're just watching what you see on TV. So, um, you know, from an early age, I was able to advance pretty quick. When I was a fourth grader, I was playing with the sixth graders. Uh, in junior high, I played up with the eighth graders as a seventh grader. My freshman year, I started varsity. So I was always getting that opportunity to play up and get challenged. Um, and that was always my goal was to get a chance to play in college. So um, I think once it really became real was my sophomore year. We went to state, uh, had a great game up there at the state tournament. And then all of a sudden, you know, the letters and phone calls start coming into the coaches. And you're like, OK, this is this is really starting to happen. And for me, that was a motivating factor. So some people get complacent with it and see the success and think they've made it. But for me, it was like, all right, well, let's see how far I can take this thing. But uh, I also played baseball. So and uh, I originally signed to play basketball and baseball at SIU. Um, so I was kind of going through uh, in high school trying to figure out what route I was going to take. Um, I was kind of more naturally good at baseball, but basketball was always my love. So you and Darren Brooks, there was a possibility that you both could have ended up being two sporters playing baseball and basketball at Southern. Yeah, and and we had Brandon Mills at one point who actually did go play a little bit of baseball for SIU. So I had quite a few guys on the on the basketball team that uh, had a love for the game of baseball and played. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of got to that point where what you know which one am I going to do. Um, you know, I think a lot of people expected that I was going to do basketball just because it's a more uh, high-profile sport. Uh, people knew me more from basketball than they did from baseball, and obviously, it's going to pay you know full ride. Where baseball, a lot of times, is a um, you know you get a percentage of the scholarship, so it kind of makes it a little easier for you on, on that end of it. But I did want to make sure I was going to go the route where I felt like I was going to have the most success and, and enjoy. I've heard Bruce Weber's version of recruiting you and kind of when he laid eyes on you for the first time, what's your recollection of the first time that Coach Weber came to see you play? Uh, I didn't think he liked me as much. <laughs> now, obviously, he saw me a couple times later, and I scored 48 points, and he got a little little excited about that. But, um, you know, I, I felt like he was told to recruit me, that I was the guy in Southern Illinois, and he was coming from Big Ten school. And I think at first I was like, well – you know, I got to win them over or prove to them. And 
I mean, you kind of got to do that in recruiting anyways with every coach that's recruiting you. But uh, I was getting recruited by Coach Heron and Coach Watson from the previous staff. And um, obviously I felt like, hey, he's just coming to see me right now because he's been told to. Um, maybe he's just offering me because he feels like, all right, he's been told to. But after a while, I mean, we, we had a good relationship going, felt good about it. Uh, and I still even felt like when I committed that he had never seen me play my best basketball. Um, and then sure enough, he came to the game in St. Louis and I scored 48 in the shootout. And uh, he was a little more excited from that point on every time he talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if this is the same game. The, the story that I've heard is that he started out at the top of the bleachers. You scored 12 and a quarter. And then he moves down a little bit further. You've got 25 at half. And then by the end of the game, he's down on press row. Yeah. Fortin is Saluki gear so everybody can see him and, and you can see him. Yeah. Well, that, that was the same game. Yeah. Was yeah. that the, uh, uh, what the KMOX shootout? Uh, I know it's had different names in the past, but uh, yeah, was that the, the Savage Center, the same place that the Missouri Valley Terms played at? Uh, yeah. I think he was like way up top, just trying not to be noticed, just kind of peeking in, seeing me play. And then the, the better I played, yeah, the more he crept his way down. And I didn't even know he was at the game, to be honest. I mean, just, Sometimes they just pop in and see you play. I don't even think he told me he was coming, but uh, but he did find me after the game and talk to me. <laughs> I was well. I was going to ask you as he got closer and closer. I, I wondered if you could kind of peek over and and see this guy moving closer to the court. But um, oh, that's... yeah, well, when you're in high school, you're not used to playing in a huge arena like that in front of ten thousand people. So it's everything was just kind of a blur at that moment. Um, not used to playing in, in those types of environments. Forget the, forget the basketball part of it for a second. Uh, what was it like in your experience being a student at SIU? Uh, you know, for me, uh, from the student side of it, uh, for one, I had a lot of people I already knew uh, from growing up in South Illinois. A lot of Mount Vernon people, a lot of people I knew from other communities were there. People I played against, whether it was junior high or high school or different sports, uh, ended up in your classes or in your dorms, things like that. So uh, for me, it was it was fun because I, I just had so much in common with so many people and related in different areas, whatever it was. So uh, just to kind of run into people and get to know them at a different level than what I did in high school or even at a younger age. Um, but then kind of going through, you know, just as a student with what we were doing from a basketball standpoint, what are, when our program started to take off, um, you know, going into my junior year when we went to Sweet 16, uh, there was definitely a difference in the uh, the campus life and just walking across campus and people recognizing you. Um, and it's it's just got a, such a small town feel where everybody uh, feels like they know you, um, can talk to you, say hi to you. You walk across campus. Uh, and I've been on a lot of campuses, especially as a coach, um, working at different places. And there's some places where people bypass and don't even look up. I know it's different now. Everybody's got got their phones out and all that. But when I was in school, it seemed like every person you crossed would say hi or uh, would acknowledge you. And I've been to a lot of other places where their head's down, they walk by, and you don't say a word to anybody when you cross campus. I'm sure there was a level of celebrity for you. Uh, you mentioned people people recognizing you, but you got, you guys go on to, to do what you do, and you do what you do individually. Um, what was that like to to be recognizable because of what you were achieving? Uh, it was at times it was fun just because people knew who you were and they would talk about the game and they're recognizing something that you're accomplishing as a 
as a player and you put a lot of time and effort into it. Um, there's other times where uh, it could, it could, it's probably like this for anybody else, but whether you're at a bar or you're anywhere else, uh, some people try to get at you a little bit or this guy that maybe I played against in high school is bitter about something and wants to prove a point to you, whatever. That's, that's, that's part of being a, a hometown guy too, is you got to deal with some of that as well. Uh, whereas if you come from a couple states away, nobody really knows you. They don't know anything about you in the past. Uh, there's none of that. So I was kind of a quiet guy, though. I, I especially my senior year. I stayed off campus pretty far away from everything. Just, you know, I liked my peace and quiet, um, you know, just to be away from everything. But uh, obviously there's times where you, you can't get away from it. But it was fun. It was fun because I was there when nobody cared. And then when they start caring, you know, okay, you can take some of that that comes along with it, which is great because now they're recognizing what, what we're doing as a program. Yeah, you got to see both sides of it for sure. Um, I want to go through some of the, the bigger games in your career and kind of get your, your first thought when uh, you, you think about that game. Uh, the first one, December 2001, you guys play uh, a ranked Indiana team at home and beat them. What's the, what's the first thing you think of when you, you think back to that game? That was the stepping stone for our program to move forward. Um, and I think about, think about the smoke. It's, I feel like it was a smoky game because of the, the fireworks. So it's almost like a little bit of a dream in my head sometimes. Cause even as I was on the court, there was like that smoke and cloud up in the sky. Uh, but then the fans storm in the court. Um, but the thing that I think of a lot when I think of that game was, uh, two things really. One, uh, Dane Fife guarded me the year before and shut me down at Indiana. And I, I had to really mentally get in my mind saying that, hey, I know how he's going to guard me. He's not going to give me any space, but he's not going to block my shot. You know, he's a guy that's just going to crowd you, but he's not going to try to jump and block my shot. He's just going to try to contest. And if you see in that game, there's quite a few shots I made where, I mean, our hands are hitting as I'm falling through because I just had to have in my mind, I know he's going to be right there. You can still shoot it and you're going to be fine. He's not going to block it just got to get locked in on the rim because sometimes it's easy to get, you know, distracted with a guy contesting your shot, gets up in your face a little bit and you're worried about the block. So personally, that was one thing I thought about going in the game. And then as a team, uh, the, the week before we played Illinois and felt like we should have beat them. Illinois was number two in the country, uh, play them in Las Vegas. Uh, we get beat by three. But after that game, Coach Weber told us, he's like, guys, you know, the cat's out of the bag. You're a good team. You can compete with any team in the country. Now you guys just have to believe it. When we went into the Indiana game, it wasn't, man, I hope we can beat them. We had the mentality, like, we're going to go beat these guys. So when that mindset changes, things in your program change, and that's when it really started to, to go in the right direction. What memories flash back when you think about being in the middle of the court storming after that game? Uh, you, <laughs> I mean, those are fun. You're jumping up and down. You're, you're celebrating. Um, and then you're just trying to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get out of there without trying to push anybody out of the way. Or I don't know. It's like you, you see your teammates and you're jumping up and down. Uh, you're hugging each other. And then all of a sudden – there's a million other people out there that and you don't, you know, you get separated from your teammates real quick and everybody's hugging you, high-fiving you. It's like, 
I don't know. If, if there's one thing that can bring everybody together, it's a win like that because nobody cares. Everybody's hugging and getting high fives and having a good time. All of a sudden, you find yourself in the middle of a, a crowd of people you don't recognize away from your teammates, right? Yeah. Well, then you're like, how long do I stay out here? Do I, do I head back in? And, you know, uh, there's a couple people. We got back to the locker room like, well, where's so-and-so at? We're, you know, they're still, they're still out there in the middle of the mob right there. <laughs> Did you know that Southern Illinois University awards students $10 million annually in scholarships, has test-optional admission, and in-state tuition for all U.S. residents. SIU offers hands-on, career-focused learning in every major, which are supported by internships and community service and the potential for study abroad and more. Southern Illinois has faculty who bring real-world experience to the classroom and the classroom into the real world. See what SIU can do for you at the next open house. Registration and info at siu.edu slash open house. Exploring options. That's a Saluki. Uh, well, well, fast forward to, to that following March. You guys go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, of course, that was your, your sweet 16 year. Uh, Want to ask you about the second round game. You guys are down 18, 19 points against Georgia. Come all the way back and you know, beat an SEC team. Um, what's the first thing that comes to mind? With, with that win? It is Coach Weber in the timeout saying, you better not embarrass our, embarrass our program. <laughs> <laughs> when you're down uh, by 18 points. When we're down by 18, yeah. He was saying, you know, you guys got to buy in. You know, it, it was just basically saying, hey, we're down 19. There's nothing to lose now. But we also, he talked about, um, we can't get it all back right away. Let's start chipping away. And we always talked about this a lot. And this was the time that you really you saw it happen and felt it. But um, so every media timeout, you know, you basically got four to five minutes to, to put on a run. And he said, just try to win each media timeout, uh, each five-minute war, you know, by two or three points, and we'll chip away at this thing. Well, we were winning by five or six each media timeout. By the time halftime came around, I think we were just down three but we went in the locker room like we were, we were going to win. And again, kind of back when I was talking about the Indiana game, um, we got that momentum going into halftime. Like, you know what? They got, they relaxed, we got rolling and now we feel good about this. We're, we're going to knock these guys off. And then, um, and then one of my biggest shots I had in my career was in that game where I think we were up one or two and the shot clock was winding down, and I came off the screen at the end of the end of the shot clock with about two minutes to go and hit a three. Um, the cool thing about that shot in the game was Illinois and Creighton played right before us, so all of their fans are there and rooting for us, and we got our fans playing Georgia. There's nobody really there rooting for Georgia. So when that ball went in, it was kind of like, all right, we're up five with two minutes to go. We sealed the deal, and I could just remember when it goes in, the whole – arena just hands going up all at the same time and it was definitely one of those those goosebump feelings that you get um you know uh, I always talked with Mike Reese you know there's we're both big fans of silent in the crowd but uh I wouldn't trade that one in that was pretty good uh, it was a pretty good feeling for the crowd to stand up on that uh, in a big game like that you were able to process that right away that that was a kind of a goosebump moment in the moment yeah because I mean it was I mean, obviously before I shot it, you're not, you're just, you're caught up in the game and you're, you're running the play and trying to finish the play. But as soon as it went through and you just, I mean, you could just feel the roar of the crowd and, uh, and you kind of know at that point, like that was all right. 
that one hurt Georgia right there because if we miss it, they go down, it's a one possession game. Um, you know, that puts us up five and it just slid under two minutes. And it just, it just felt like that was a huge, um, a huge shot in the game that gave us the momentum and they never really got back. They never really had a chance after that, uh, looking back on the game. There's a pretty cool picture of you guys getting back at the airport uh, in Marion and you guys are holding up the, the front page of the Southern and it says, believe it with a picture of you guys on the front. Um, what was the reception like when you guys got back to town knowing that you're going to the sweet 16? Well, we were getting word that there was a bunch of people at the airport and, um, and I'm not sure how we were getting it or who it was coming from. But I just remember them telling us, Hey, there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of people at the airport. Well, when we landed, we were looking out through the windows, like, I don't see anybody. Like there's nobody here. Like, you know, whoever's telling us just, you know, making up stuff. But as soon as we got off the airport and started walking into the, uh, the little terminal area there, I mean, it was just packed wall to wall of people. I mean, you just, I guess you just couldn't see them from where we were at on the, on the air, on the airplane, but, uh, you know, just, just the reception and, um, you know, the welcoming of that was uh, obviously it was a great feeling. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of feelings that you have on the court when you win and you accomplish something, but then to come back and get to share it with the fan base and the community and just see how excited everybody was and, and doing something that, you know, our, our program hadn't done or hadn't done in a long time. Um, it was definitely a special feeling and just, you know, just seeing faces in the crowd going through it and uh, taking a bunch of pictures and everything. And uh, I tell you what, that that whole week, just to try to get ready for UConn was, uh, it, was a, it was a challenge because there was a lot you had to kind of push off to the side and focus on the task at hand. Yeah, you know, when do you when do you feel like you were finally able to to move on from that, if if at all? Yeah, well, it was. I mean, we moved on, but it was it was a quick turnaround. And I don't remember if we played on Thursday or Friday of the next week, but we were a Sunday game. So we were one of the last games to get completed. So Monday was like, man, okay, there's no more celebrating. We got to get back to it. But uh, there's, there's press conferences before every practice. Uh, one practice got cut short because – uh, there was a press conference set for after it, and Coach Weber was like, we're not done with practice yet. We need to keep going. It's just, it was just kind of a chaotic time. You know, um, if you're at a high major program and you're used to media being there all the time, and when I say media, I mean like, you know, having groups of people there and a lot of people at the press conference, um, you, you're probably used to that, and it's probably not that big of a deal. But for us, you know, not used to having cameras at practice and seeing everything that we're doing. And then after practice, go sit in the locker room for 30 minutes and being interviewed uh, right and left. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, the best damn sports show is calling you to have you on the show and you're doing stuff like that. It's like, I mean, there, there was a lot to take in that week and then still try to process it and get ready for a game uh, that we, we weren't accustomed to. Yeah. Uh, go forward another year, 2003, you guys get back to the NCAA tournament. Um, it, it's a, a controversial ending at the end of the Missouri game. And, and that ends up being the last game of your Saluki career. How much anger was there for you about how things ended in that Missouri game? Um, it's when, when you're, when you get beat, you're obviously angry. Um, 
trying to take it in. But when it's also the end of your career, there's just, there's a lot of mixed emotions in there because you're, uh, for one, I felt like we were going to win the game. And I felt like going into the game, we were going to win. Um, so then when it smacks you across the face that you got beat, the way we got beat and your career is over, it's all, you know, it just kind of hits you. And um, the thing I remember the most about that game uh, once it was over was, was that it was in the dome there in Indianapolis. And it was such a long walk to the locker room. I think we had, we had to walk out the side and basically walk the length of the football field before we turned and went back inside to her. I mean, I just remember Coach Weber walking there and he was, I mean, he was mad and it's just, it was a long walk to process. You're, you're sitting there processing everything where a lot of times you're just out the tunnel and you're in your locker room and you're sitting there. But um, that, that was like the longest walk of my life, just walking there and just knowing it was over. Um, obviously, if there was one, one moment I would love to have back, it'd be that shot again, you know, just score up just a little bit more. Uh, I knew it was off right when I shot it, but if I just squared up just a little bit more and didn't rush it, um, I think I would have made it because I had the right distance. It was just off to the right. But you're kind of rushing the shot to make sure you get it off to give it a chance uh, instead of going back and saying, hey, you didn't get the shot off and all that. So, um, And I remember Coach Weber drawing up the play at the end and Brad Korn was taking the ball out and he just said, hey, get open because I'm coming to you. and the, the play had me running all over the place to get to the spot. He was just waiting, 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 and finally delivered it to me. So he was like, I'm, I'm going to get you the ball, but get there. So uh, unfortunately, it didn't go in, though. Yeah. You, you still think about that one a lot to this day? Yeah. I mean, it comes up across your mind every once in a while. I mean, obviously, I'm over it now. And, um, you know, that's a long time ago. And I've had a lot of other moments from a, from a coaching standpoint that have came into my life since then. And, uh, but yeah, it's just one of those that there's things that happen in your, in your career as a player. You're like, ah, I wish this, well, that's one you're like, I want that shot back. You know, I want that, that one opportunity back. And, you know, when you miss it like that, but Hey, that's no matter what, unless you win the national championship, you're you usually end on a, on a sad note. So. Yep. Good point. Um, a lot get, gets made of your scoring, uh, deservedly so, scoring over 2,000 points, second all-time in Saluki history. Um, but, but let's talk about your defense a little bit. Uh, who do you feel like the best player is that you ever guarded? That I had to guard? Yeah. Well, in the Connecticut game, I was guarding Ben Gordon, and uh, everybody was talking about Karan Butler and obviously Okafor is a seven footer and nobody really talked about Ben Gordon much, but I remember coming home saying, Hey guys, there's this dude named Ben Gordon. He's, he's going to be pretty good. Like he crossed me over so fast. I was going one way, he was going the other and I didn't even know where he went and pulled up. And then sure enough, two years later, he, they won a national title and he's one of the top picks in the NBA draft. So um, he was a tough one to guard. Um, you know, I was, the quick guys like that were tough. For me, if they moved out of the ball, I was pretty good at staying with guys. Um, I was pretty good at sliding over, taking charges, and doing more of the team defense stuff. Uh, but definitely um, Ben Gordon ranks up there as one of the toughest ones to try to guard in, in an actual game. I know I've played pickup games and played um, in other, other events where I've had other guys, but during my college career, he was pretty tough. Yeah. So you weren't surprised when he went on and – uh, 
was pretty good with the Bulls for a while too then. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in your, your Hall of Fame speech uh, at the conference last year, um, you, you kind of made an allusion to blood, sweat, and tears and said, there was a lot of blood in my career too. And you guys had this identity as, as floor burn you. Uh, what's the worst floor burn you ever got? Oh, man. Probably in practice. Um because I, I probably did more of that stuff in practice than I did even in the games. But because uh, uh, I, I, had, I had stitches probably three or four different times. But probably the worst one in a game, and I guess it's not technically a floor burn or whatever, but um, when I took the elbow in the Creighton game my junior year at home, uh, Roland Roberts and myself both got hit like on the same play, or maybe he got hit a couple minutes before me. But we're both sitting on the sidelines bleeding. And then we both had to go back to the um, to the train room and get stitched up and get back out there. So we're both sitting there at the same time, and we both know we're missing the game and uh, don't know what's going on. It's a big-time game, obviously. But, um, you know, Doc Knapp got there, gave me the shot, stitched up my eyebrow, got back out there. It felt like my eye was just so swollen and just kept on playing through it. But uh, it's kind of like, I don't know, um, just something was over the top of my eye the whole time. And like, I couldn't see real clear and uh, I don't know, like a Rocky moment or something like that, like just cut me, but I don't know. It was, um, it was a fun game though. And obviously once you kind of got back in the flow and started feeling it, it was good, but it was a weird feeling to go to the, the locker room, get stitched up and then uh, know that you missed quite a bit of it and then try to jump back into the flow of the game. And it took me a while uh, to get back in the flow of that game. Moving on to, to your coaching career, um, you, you think about who you've played for and who you've coached for too. Um, you know, Weber, Painter, Martin, um, some some big time names in college basketball still to this day. What influence have uh, those three had on uh, you now that you've become a, a high school head coach? Yeah. Um, well, what I tried to do is take a, a little bit of all of them. Uh, and I think that's what every coach should do. And I think a lot of coaches try to, coaches try to do that. Uh, take advantage of the, the minds and the brains of the people that you're with. Um, and even as a, even as a assistant coach, when I would be doing scouting reports, I would watch other teams plays and pick up on something that they would do. And like that kind of, you kind of keep a file like, Hey, I like this play. I like this style. And then what your coach is doing every day. Um, but the biggest thing with all three of those guys, um, they do a good job with relationships with their players. I think as coaches, uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about uh, plays the score or defenses you can run and things that you're doing on the court when, you know, 75% of what you do is with the guys off the court and trying to build a culture, trying to build relationships with your players and all three of those guys that you mentioned do a great job with that. So uh, just try to follow their lead, and I communicate with our guys. You know, these last two months have been difficult because we can't see each other. We've done some Zoom calls and uh, do a lot of text messages as groups, and I'll send challenges out to the guys and just try to find ways to stay engaged with each other um, during this time and not draw apart. So and they and they and I've got good players, good kids, and they all they all do a good job of uh, staying in touch with me as well. With uh, with those guys, and I think even going back to your high school days, you've been around a lot of motion offense in in your life. Uh, are you sticking to that with the Smet now? 
we haven't been running it right now. Um, there's a good chance I'll go back to that next year. Uh, I got two big guys. Uh, I've got a 6'10 center and a 6'9 power forward, uh, both guys from Africa. And, you know, I, I didn't know early on how well they'd be able to pick up on motion. And um, they're two of my better players, obviously. So uh, I've tried to create stuff that's geared a little bit more around uh, post play and getting those guys moving and, and screening and diving and uh, just having them still kind of use motion principles. And I have a lot of motion parts I use in my offense, but try to gear it a little bit more around those guys and what's a little easier for them. You know, for example, the first day of practice with, with them three years ago, I've got one of them and I, I'm talking to him about ducking in from the weak side and he just starts laughing. And I'm like, what, what's, what's so funny, Yaya? And he's like, well, you said duck. And like, he's thinking of a, you know, an animal. And I'm like, all right. I, so right then I know I can't run motion with these guys because <laughs> they have even the terminology. I had to tone it down and make sure they understood exactly what I was saying. But uh both very gifted players, but I haven't done as much motion uh, just because of those guys. But I do think I'll have a really good group for motion uh, the next few years once they're gone because I've got some good guards that are smart and know how to come off screens and shoot it and read screens. You inherited a program your first year. Uh, three years ago, you guys win just seven games. And then year two, you're playing for a district championship, win 23. And then you guys are, are back at that level with 20 wins and playing for a district championship again this year. What's, what's been key for you in, in kind of building a program from the ground up? Well, just trying to give my, uh, for one, as a coach, you want to make sure your players understand, you know, who you are and what you want to be in your identity and uh, try and develop a little more toughness in them. And, uh, and then also, no matter who you are as a coach or who you're coaching, is it takes time for them to understand exactly what you want and time for it to get across to them. I got the job late. Uh, I didn't get the job until basically September 1st. So I didn't even have a summer to prepare with these guys. So putting in an offense, putting in a program, putting in everything that we wanted to do was just all really quick jumping into that first season. Um, I played a lot of young guys. I had a good young group and uh, I rode with them. We took the losses. And knowing that, hey, in, in the future, it's going to help them and it's going to help our program. Um, fast forward that a year later, you know, like I said, you take that from seven wins to 23. We set a school record for the largest turnaround. Um, you know, if we, if we have a better draw in our district two years in a row, we're playing further. But we've had CBC in our district twice. Uh, they've got Caleb Love, who's a McDonald's All-American, going to North Carolina. So not, not an easy draw for us. but. Um, we've definitely turned, turned the program around and got it going in the right direction, got a lot of people excited about it. But uh, really just getting, getting buy-in, you know, building that culture, getting kids to play for each other. You know, the toughest thing I had this year was we were very deep. Um, I had six kids averaging between 9 and 11 points. So nobody stood out. The tough part about that was knowing, okay, who's having the game tonight? Who needs to kind of be the go-to guy? Um, because when you have that many guys, you know, you can, some guys can get lost or you might not be feeling like you're uh, running plays for the right guy. Uh, just got to feel out how the game's going. Uh, but with that said, they really bought into uh, finding out who the guy was hot that night and try to feed him. And 
Uh, and that's not coaching. That's those guys really buying in and, and knowing how to be good teammates for each other. Did you even surprise yourself a little bit by, by how fast you were able to get it turned around? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I felt like we had a, a really talented group and they were coming along. Uh, you just didn't, you know, sometimes you just don't know when it's going to turn into wins because um, the next year it could be more, hey, we're, we're right there. We just missed a couple of games. But, um, you know, we, we got over the hump and we finished off the games and proved that we could win some, some tough games. And uh, going back to what I talked about with me as a player when we beat Indiana or, or we should have beat Illinois, uh, we had that moment. Um, we got beat by a team in the championship game of our uh, Christmas tournament. And there were a team that won back-to-back state championships. And we should have beat them. We had balls in our hands last play of the game. And I went in that locker room and told those guys, hey, this is the December game. This game's in December. It's going to help us get ready for March. And, you know, now you guys know. You didn't know if you are going to be able to compete with them coming into this game. And now you do know. And then moving forward, same thing. They kind of had that edge about them, like, we're going into this game to win. So just getting that mindset to change and get the confidence. Yeah. For, for you personally, uh, we'll, we'll wrap with this. I mean, you, you got out of coaching for a little bit. You were in the college game, and then um, you got into sales for a bit and, and now back into to the game with, with high school coaching. Um, what, what perspective did you gain from stepping away for a little bit and, and getting back into basketball? Yeah, the stepping away was, was really good for me. Um, because especially at the college game, you're just so ingrained in what you're doing with recruiting and scouting and just you're so locked into it and you're busy. Um, for one, you, you don't have much time for your family. I mean, you're, you're grinding and you're working away. Um, before you know it, you're picking up and you're moving to another state and then just taking your family with you and it takes a toll on them. For me, it was a chance to slow down and look back on things and um, just kind of get re-energized a little bit too. And, um, you know, I ended up getting back into the college game for two years at SIU Edwardsville after the year of sales and then ended up getting a gig at Dismet, which is uh, definitely a blessing in disguise. I didn't know I'd ever end up at a place like this and love it as much as I do. But uh, I get to coach good kids. I get more time with my family. Um, I, I love the people I work with. It's a, it's a great school. I'm just doing it a step earlier now. So I'm, I'm grabbing guys as high school age kids to prepare them for what I've done the last 11 years as a college coach and saying, here's what they're looking for. Here's what you need to do from an academic standpoint, from a weight standpoint, um, from just a maturity standpoint, and obviously from a skill standpoint. So I go for those guys. But, um, you know, the year away, my wife was pregnant with twins. So uh, we had a lot going on, you know, for when Conzo – um, told me he was leaving and going to California, had a choice, you know, to do that or not. And we had just found out that we were pregnant and then not like, we didn't know we were having twins yet. And then a week later find out that, Hey, we're, we're pregnant with twins. It's like, man, we got to make a tough decision here. And, uh, to move across country with two kids and two on the way was, uh, was definitely a time in my life where I felt like I had to make decisions based on, uh, family when pretty much everything else I was doing was based on me uh, making my career moves based on where I need want to advance to and my goals and dreams so now it was time to start making some decisions that was based on more than just one person worked out all right getting to do both right 
Yeah, yeah. So it worked out great, and and I'm very happy where I'm at right now. Um, hopefully, this year is the year we can break through and um, you know get to state. And I only losing one player. Uh, we lost one senior, so we got so many guys coming back. We'll be one of the top teams in the state of Missouri in the preseason rankings. Um, so hopefully everything goes to plan and we have a season and everything, we have school year and uh, the coronavirus goes away and we can still get back to our normal lives because uh, it could be a really fun year for us. Yeah, hopefully we have some ball here soon. Um, but really appreciate you doing this. I know uh, the Southern fans always enjoy hearing from you. So thanks a lot. All right, thanks for having me on.